You're listening to Inside Northwest, a podcast taking you around the district, keeping you in the know. Inside Northwest. Well, welcome everybody to this edition of Inside NISD, our podcast that we have for the district. Today's discussion is all about the bond. Uh, Joining us today is our special guest, Tim McClure, uh, the Assistant Superintendent of Planning and Facilities for the school district. Is that correct? Is that that correct title? Sounds like a great title. title. Thank you, Jerry. Happy to (laughs) be here. Tim, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Well, I'm a licensed architect. I've been working for the district for about five years, uh, overseeing uh, maintenance facilities, construction, growth, energy management, safety and security, uh, basically kind of the operational side. Uh, In the last year, that's included uh, transportation and after-school care Mm -hmm. and um, uh, uh, food service and just all the services that, that we outsource as well. Um, I was a I was architect for, I'm an architect for going on 20 years now involved with educational architecture. So my past is uh, I've basically de- designed and, and built schools all throughout the mm-hmm. North uh, Texas uh, area throughout the, throughout this great land of ours. So you're, the, the time that you've spent in NISD, you've, uh, this is your fourth year? fourth. Fifth year? Uh, yeah, I'm in the middle of my f- uh, fourth year, so I'm okay. leading up to my fifth year. So even though you're, you're new to um, basically to actually working for a school district, you've had experience building schools for many years. Yeah, I've worked for school districts since uh, early 2000. In fact, in fact, the first school district I worked for as an architect was uh-huh. Northwest ISD. Okay. Um, uh, at that point, back in the early 2000s, around 2001, 2002, I uh, started working for uh, the district as, a, as an architect. And that's when we kind of fell in love. My family fell in love with the district, and we, we moved out to the Northwest. We, our kids have been uh, raised here, went to school from kindergarten on. They're, they're both in high school at Eaton, so we're mm-hmm. almost to the end of that cycle. Uh, but we love Northwest. Uh, we love the community, and we've lived out here. I've been engaged. I know we're going to talk about bonds, but I've been engaged in every bond, either from a professional manner or from a citizen's yeah. standpoint. Uh, since 2005, I've, I've had a role in one way or another uh, in working through all the bond elections out here at Northwest. And talking about uh, Northwest ISD in particular, and, and you've worked with you know other districts as well, other districts as well on on their bond programs and building their schools and stuff. Yes. What what makes Northwest ISD so um, so interesting from your standpoint when it comes to the growth? Well, you know, the growth here is, one, our juxtaposition with the highway systems and where we're located in the Metroplex is a big piece of that. Um, we have I-35, uh, 287, 114. We have three major highway systems that kind of come through our district. Mm-hmm. Um, the second part of that is we're in an area that um, has been rural for, rural for a long time and is now starting to see growth. Um, the third thing is that we're a large district. Uh, you hear about the Friscos and the Prospers of the world and how they're growing real fast, and, and they're somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, a third to a quarter our size uh, when you start looking at the total land mass. So we're a, we're a large land mass district for this region, mm-hmm. and because we're positioned right along the I-35 corridor where growth is happening and along the 114 corridor, um, that that's what really makes this one a little bit uh, different than, say, a district that's 
Um, and I did some work with with Granberry ISD, and, mm-hmm. and you know, Granberry's kind of by themselves down there. They're, they're, they don't span uh, through multiple counties, multiple jurisdictions, and and multiple major highways. Yeah, um, and I think what uh, a lot of people tend to forget is really how large it is at, at two hundred and thirty four square miles. You know, the number of counties that we reach into, uh, and the number of communities. So it's um, whereas a lot of districts are kind of centered around a specific city in particular, you know, Northwest has to meld so many different communities and make them feel as though it's one district. It, it does. And, and, you know, when you're dealing with, uh, different sides of municipalities and uh, not anything good or bad or indifferent about that, but you have municipalities the size of Fort Worth and then you have small municipalities, you know, Newark or yeah. Rome, um, you know, there, the, there's just more staff involved at, at Fort Worth. They're a bigger city. Um, they maybe adopt building codes at a faster rate than some of our smaller jurisdictions. So a lot of that times we we're trying to balance the scales because we certainly want to make sure that the product that we're putting out there and in, in our ways of what we're building in our school systems is equal, no matter what the jurisdiction is. So a lot of those times we're actually, um, superseding, uh, newer codes because we're being held to them in one part of the town. We're superseding them in other parts of the town sure. just, just to play catch up. And that, that's all growth driven. I, I, I know as those communities continue to grow, um, the, the smaller ones, you know, the Newarks, the, the Romes, the new Fairviews, they'll, they'll build, you know, bigger uh, city staff and, and they'll be able to, to catch up as well. But that is kind of an oddity that, that, you deal with 14 different municipalities and they may all have different codes and, and different um, ordinances that they have. And we're yeah. trying to level the playing ground so that our schools, if we build one on one side of town and one on the other, uh, uh, they're equivalent. So. Yeah. Um, and so speaking of growth, let's talk yes. about the bond, bond yeah. 2020. Um, I know uh, a lot of work went into the planning and um and actually deciding what exactly was going to go into the bond. And, um, you know, talk to us just a little bit, a, a brief, um, you know, briefly about what that process was like in uh, creating the long-range planning committee and, yep. and how much input they had into actually deciding what was going to go into the bond. Sure, sure. So long-range planning committee uh, actually was established back in 2000. So we're on our 20th year now um, of running that, that committee. It has certainly grown and morphed, and it changes throughout the years. We, we uh, advertise to folks uh, through different meetings, and, and we ask uh, our principals and our board members to recommend uh, folks. We actually ask for recommendations of not just uh, you know parents. We, we want business community leaders. Um, we want to make sure that we have a very good uh, cross-section of our community. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually, when we, when we get those initial uh, offerings from people that nominate other people to be on or people who have just reached out to us and said, we'd like to be on that. Uh, we actually have them fill out a survey. Um, and just kind of, it's a survey that just helps us understand their general interests, helps us understand if they have kids in the school or they don't helps us understand what part of the district they live in, helps us understand what their interests are. Um, you know, last thing that we want is to by accident have created a long range planning committee. That's all uh, softball parents, sure. right? Uh, and they they have a very strong focus just towards softball yeah. and not that I'm picking on softball, but just as an example. Mm-hmm. And so we ask for all their interests and then we look at that and we say, okay, are we, are we missing anybody in that cross section 
Um, and if we are, then we, we kind of go back out and say, hey, can we engage this group that doesn't seem to be represented, whether it's a geographic representation somewhere in town or it's an interest group that's not mm-hmm. representative. We had uh, two members on the committee this time um, who are no kids in the schools, and, and so they're representing the business communities. Uh, one of them was actually a, a city council member for one of our jurisdictions. Um, and so we try to make sure that that is a, is a very broad range because – the end of the day, the the work comes from them. Um, yeah. We need it to. This is this is uh, not a situation where uh, the district leadership says, you know, this is the plan, and we need you to rubber stamp it. We we give them all the facts, all the data, all the information about our growth, how many residential communities are moving in, what's that looking like annually, how many seats we have left in our schools, mm-hmm. how many seats it'll take to continue to keep up with it. And then we go through departmental needs and requests, and and those are two different things. Sometimes there are specific needs that need to happen, and some are just wish lists. And then they prioritize that. I think this year we had a list of about 80 items that they ended up prioritizing after it was all said and done. And and then they work that alongside the value dollars that our our constructors, our, our architects, our consultants those cost people that understand the marketplace today help us evaluate what those things would cost at the time we need to purchase them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you take into account some inflationary rates and some some things that you may be worried about because it's hard to predict future costs, right? Mm-hmm. I think I saw gasoline like has jumped 20 cents in the last few days, it seems like. So it was it was down and all of a sudden it's up. And same thing yeah. with, with building materials and, and the labor force that's here. So they take all that in and, and, and work through a recommendation and then compare that to what the potential tax uh, rate might be um, to, to make that happen. So they, they visit with our financial advisors um, for the district and our financial department for the district. Take all that in and then bring a recommendation to the board. That's, that's how the process works. We've Since, uh, since 17, um, we actually implemented uh, two – meetings a year with that group to keep them updated on the progress of uh, for the first 15 years of that group's existence. It was, you get together every three years and, and talk about a bond and, and go out and recommend something and then let the voters vote on it. Um, now we've started saying it's, it's more informative if we can help keep them engaged uh, throughout the cycle of the bond and not just call them up when it's time to plan another one. So not just the planning, but also the updates that yeah, come along with and, that. And they get to that's right. understand exactly where they are and where, you, where we are that's right. in actually completing uh, the construction and the projects. And, and, and let, if I can, I'll give a plug real quick for, sure. the, for the website because it's, <laughs> it's nisdtxlrpc.org. Uh, LRPC, of course, standing for Long Range Planning Committee. So nisdtxlrpc.org. Um, it shows not only the bond planning strategies that we've gone through, uh, this time around, you can see the archival data from the 17 bond mm-hmm. planning, as well as all the meetings that have been the updates as we go through that. We post all those presentations. Online. Now, is there, and I know for some of our listeners, is there information there for any any of our listeners that may decide they'd like to be considered part of the long-range planning committee? Yeah, a- absolutely. I, I don't know that the information is there, but it's simple. Just reach out to the district, reach out sure. to... To, to me, to the, to Tim McClure at the district, mm-hmm. and um, you know we'll get you added to the list. And uh, we sent out I don't know close to eighty five invitations this year, and mm-hmm. we never get a hundred percent ratio. I mean, people have busy lives and have sure. commitments to other things. We understand that, so 
Uh, I think we ended up getting about half uh, to show, a little more than half actually to show up and be engaged throughout the process. So always looking for people who are interested to, to serve on that committee. Awesome. Well, so now that um, they've gone through and you guys made your presentation to the school board, school board uh, actually took a look at the bond and, and tell us about um, what happened when the school board actually received the, uh, the bond presentation. Yeah. So the, the committee came to a point where they were sitting uh, roughly around $936 million recommendation. Um, that was based on, they didn't want to get to a billion dollars. They knew as long as they stayed uh, under a billion that they could do that mm-hmm. uh, without a taxing tax rate increase. Um, so not increasing the INS tax rate portion that the district assesses. Um, and so that was their, their, what their charge was and what they brought to the board. Um, when they received the demographic update, the committee, uh, it was back in, in December, and um, they received the third quarter update. Mm-hmm. Uh, that number was, uh, you know, showed the growth and helped them plan for schools. Well, by the time we got to the board meeting in February, uh, a couple months have passed, and our fourth quarter numbers from our demographer had started to roll in on the housing addition numbers, the number of new houses coming Mm -hmm. in. And that had actually increased quite a bit. Um, And so the board heard their recommendation, realized they could get one more elementary school in the the bond uh, without exceeding the billion dollars, with still staying underneath that Mm -hmm. ability to pass uh, the bond. If the bond passed it, there would still be the ability to not have a tax rate increase. Um, and so the board, given the newer information about the demo- demographics, said, well, let's, let's go ahead and plan for an extra elementary school just to be safe uh, since we're seeing that uptick in the housing market. And I think that's important because you mentioned it a couple of times. There, we do not anticipate a tax rate increase with, with this bond. No, you know, we, we live, you just look around. I've talked to folks yeah. and you kind of laugh <laughs> about it and you say, hey, it, you know, where do you live in the district? And they tell you, say, is there any construction going on there? And they laugh and say, well, of course there is. Yeah, yeah. well. Well, you know, one of the things that, that I try to help paint a picture for people is, you know, as this area continues to grow and develop, most of, a lot of the area has been ag exempt. I mean, mm-hmm. this is an old rural farming community, um, and that ag exemption means very little tax base for the district. When, when that ag exemption goes away because the developers decided to build 2,000 homes yeah. or a, or a uh, industry has decided to build a big warehouse or um, Facebook has decided to show up and, and build a complex. And, you know, we, we've gotten a lot of different Charles Schwab and, and all these different entities and businesses that are now moving up along the 35 corridor. That's a huge difference from a non-exempt ag piece of land to now a taxable piece of property. Yeah. And so when you look, people say, well, how can we pass that much money, uh, you know, with our tax base? It's because our home values keep going up. Well, home values are a separate conversation. We don't control that. Sure. Um, we control the tax rate uh, for, for the district. The, the home values is a part of it, sure. But the bigger part of it is swapping out raw land for developed land yeah. and going from a very, very low or sometimes a zero taxable piece of land to now a multi-million dollar taxable piece of land, depending on what that entity is that's moved in there. And so sometimes, you know, when I visit people, I try to explain, hey, just look at where land used to be and what's there today. Um, The Presidio shopping area, I mean, that's in our district. You know, that used to just be 
farmland. I yeah. mean, it used to just be a grass field. And and now you can look at a piece like that and say, now that's a, a multi-million dollar piece of taxable property that goes back towards the district. You have the Target, you've got the Hobby Lobby, you've the, got the, the restaurants. Costco, all the Costco's. restaurants, the movie theaters, all, yeah. all that type of stuff that's going in there. And there's, they're still developing more. There's more to come there. So Yeah. And th- those are taxes that come to the school district to help, Absolutely. help pay for everything. Absolutely. So. And I think... Um, you know, I heard this in a, in a meeting not too long ago. Um, you know, some people were concerned, well, you know, what about businesses that don't necessarily want the growth? You know, f- they don't want a school coming up next to them. And sure. I, I'm thinking there really aren't any businesses that would not want a school nearby or, or the population moving in nearby because that's traffic well, for you, their you, business as Absolutely. Well. And you, you got to think about it in, in a couple different ways. In most communities. I mean, and this is across the country. Mm-hmm. In most communities, not all, but most, the largest employer of that community is the school district. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you get into downtown scenarios and big corporate entities, New York, LA, and places like that, Dallas, Fort Worth even, who maybe that's not the case. But when you move into an area, your largest employer is is your school district most, yeah. most of the time. Um, you take that and combine it with the fact that businesses are moving to areas that attract Good, that have good schools. Yeah. Uh, most people who are following a business, one of the first things they'll ask their realtor is, "How are the schools? What you know? What's the school district?" If they haven't already done their own research, they'll they want to know how are the school districts because those people are following jobs for those businesses and they want to make sure their kids are getting educated properly. Um, so you take the fact that you're the largest employer, you take the fact that people are moving to a specific area regarding their job, but also interested in in the school system for mm-hmm. the kids. Um, and then you just look at um, what we're seeing in, in a lot of our career and tech development, um, uh, just regarding our kids that are graduating that want to go straight into the workforce. And we have a lot of businesses around here who engage with the district to say, we would like you to, like to see our, our graduating students have this set of skills. Can you help get them to that? Because if you get them to that, we will hire them the day yeah. they graduate. Um, with good paying jobs. And so um, hats off to our career and technical programs. And uh, if y'all haven't already done a podcast with Celine, you probably need to do one of those because that'd be a great one oh, absolutely. for people to yeah, hear. It's definitely on our list. Yeah, because <laughs> that that's a big portion. So when you, I don't often hear that businesses don't want the growth. Um, often the businesses are here because of the growth. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've said in a recent meeting too, you know, as a school district, we're reactionary. I, we're not filled with dreams. We don't, if you build it, they will come. That's yeah. not the way it works. <laughs> we watch and go, oh my gosh, they're building that. We need to, we need to get there too mm-hmm. so that we can support it when it comes. And that's no different than a grocery store or a restaurant um, or a Starbucks. Uh, they have very sophisticated, sophisticated marketing people that say X number of houses mean I need a grocery store within so many miles yeah. or I need a Starbucks within so many miles because then I'll be, you know, I'll be profitable and I can run a good business. Um, the district's similar in that way. X number of houses means so many kids. Therefore, mm-hmm. I need a school district. I need a school in that area to support those kids, or I'm going to be overloaded somewhere else. Yeah. And I know this is a simplified term because I know um, a lot of times, you know, parents ask, you know, why do we need to pass a bond? Why do we need to spend more money? Why do we need all of this? Um, and, you know, I, I, I know this is extremely simplified, but, you know, it's, uh, someone put it in in kind of a a term that that kind of made sense, you know, to me almost immediately. It's you know when you have a child, you buy all of these clothing needs and supplies and everything for that child. But as that child grows, 
they're going to outgrow what, what you've purchased for them. You're going to have to continue to invest in that child as they grow. So whether it's, um, you know, clothing, whether it's food, whether it's, you know, um, housing and everything else that goes with that child, you have to grow with them. And so, um, you know, talk to me about the, the, the number of schools that, uh, that we have on this bond that are going to address that growth. So, yeah, so in this bond, we have seven brand-new schools that are, gonna, that are going to hit the ground. Um, three of those are actually replacement schools. So we have, we have, uh, the committee uh, felt like that uh, there were three campuses that need to be replaced. Uh, Pike Middle School is one of those. The, the middle school was designed for a much smaller capacity of students. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've changed our capacity configurations over the year, over the years, um, we need to build schools that can handle roughly 1,200, maybe even a little bit more middle schools, uh, 1,200 students in a middle school. Um, our elementaries are now being designed to handle 850 students, and our high school is designed for handling 3,200 uh, students. So one of those is Pike has some uh, core in, uh, pieces of Pike that are difficult to increase sure. uh, that process. Uh, Seven Hills is one of our the oldest one of the oldest campuses in the district, um, and is in need of uh, there was there was money that would have been put towards that towards a renovation uh, to help you know with it. Um, or we said, well, if you balance that against it, really probably needs to be replaced. And the committee said, yeah, we think it needs to be replaced. And then Hatfield's our young, our smallest elementary. It's only four hundred fifty students. Um, it needs to be at 850. It's also a very unique campus because it doesn't sit in a residential community. Um, and that's a real big charge for our leadership in our district. Mm-hmm. Our board members, they want community-based schools. And Hatfield sits in the middle of a high school, a, a middle school, and central campus. And so it's not conducive to those neighborhood events that you would have, those PTA meetings where people could walk over for PTA meetings, students could walk to school. There is no safe route for a student to walk to school at Hatfield. Uh, you have to cross 156 or 114, and yeah. that's just not safe. So those three particularly are, are getting new schools. Um, then we have a new middle school seven that's opening. That's going to be uh, in the Haslett area. So we know we have a high growth at Adams. We have a high growth at Wilson. That, that middle school is scheduled to be open to provide re- relief to both of those campuses. Um, and then uh, elementary school 22, 23, and 24 um, to be determined. Uh, we, mm-hmm. You know, we, it's, we're, we're planning now about two years out at a time for an elementary school. So we're watching the population groups. We're watching which campuses are being overburdened with students. And we say, okay, that's where we need to, to have our next elementary school. Next year, we'll be opening up uh, one in Berkshire, which is on the south side of the district along 287. Mm-hmm. Um, that one is specifically to help with the, with the uh, growth and the capacity issues that we're seeing at Curtis, Nance, and Schluter, all right there around that area. Um, we, need, we need more seats. We need more classrooms to help so we don't have uh, the burden that's, that's being overbared by other campuses. Um, so those, those seven are, are big. The other piece is the is the expansion. So we're expanding Nance Elementary School back up to an 850. Uh, we're also expanding Northwest High School. In the last bond, we took Eaton and Byron, who were growing at a much faster rate than Northwest, and mm-hmm. we said we need to get them to a 3,200 student capacity because um, that will be our end model. That's the model the district is going with. So all our campuses will be designed to go to 3,200. And it's currently that's a 6A. 
That's a that's a six A model, and that puts them kind of right in the meat of six A groupings as far gotcha. as population. Um, right now, when you're down there northwest level, when you're hovering around two thousand to twenty one, twenty two hundred students, um, you're in that five A six A border. I mean, you could kind of go either way. Um, but so this mod this year, the the recommendation is to to take northwest up to the thirty two hundred because. The growth we're seeing along 114 and the growth we're seeing in North Lake, which both feed to the Northwest High School, is now starting to become abundant. Um, it's just it's getting just as fast of growth as what we're seeing uh, along the Eaton area and what has traditionally been in the Trophy, Trophy Club area uh, around Byron Nelson. Um, so when we talk about the growth, and, and I'm, you brought it up just a second ago, uh, for example, Berksh- Berkshire, that is going to open up in fall of 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said it's relieving, you know, some of the, uh, the population that's going to be at Curtis Schluter. Um, and then one of the other campuses, it's, it's interesting to note that Curtis is only two years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that's how much growth is going on there. We just opened Curtis not too long ago. That's right. That's and right. Already we have another campus that's going to have, that's having to be built yes. to relieve a lot of that growth. So, um, when it comes to, you know, this bond in particular, what is something that you really want our community to really understand um, and know in advance before they actually take a close look at this bond and, uh, you know, and before they hit the polls? And, you know, and, and we remind our listeners, you know, we're, we're not telling our listeners how to vote. No. Nope. Just to vote. Uh, just get involved. Um, but what is, what is some, some of the things that, are, that make this bond different from the 2017 bond? Well, I, I think the, the big thing is that it is a very growth-centered bond. Um, and, and just to, to back up and, and add to your comment about how, how to vote, that is not our, our privilege or right uh, by state law. So we, are, we can only inform, we cannot advocate, and we certainly uh, cannot um, advocate either way sure. uh, for or against the, the bond. We just have to present the facts. And the facts are this is 75% of this bond goes towards growth. Um, there's, there's about 11% of the bond that's going towards renovations, uh, recycle placements. Um, if you live in a home that's, uh, you know, 20 years old, uh, you may be ready to replace your carpet, right? You may need a new roof. Mm -hmm. Um, we obviously go through hell storms and stuff that causes people to get new roofs, but some of those things are just cycle replacements that we're in the next four to five years, we're going to hit the life cycle of that product, mm-hmm. and it's time to to replace it. So uh, HVAC, the, the AC units and heating in the school systems, obviously is very important. It's very important to the wellness of our kids and our staff. We want to make sure people are going into healthy environments um, and that they're being heating and cooled properly so that kids aren't, aren't getting sick um, and, and aren't cold when they go to school or hot when they go to school. Um, so there's that's some of the renovations and improvement pieces. Uh, technology is another one. I think it's important to know that um, when we are buying technology uh, devices, um, the things that aren't the backbone infrastructure, not the cabling that's going in the ground that's going to be there for the next 30 years, the actual devices, uh, it's important to know that those bonds are actually sold at a, at a shorter term. They sell those at only to a, a three- to five-year term versus the rest of the bonds that are sold at a 25-year term. No one would think of going and buying a new iPhone and financing it for 25 years. Sure. The district's certainly not going to do that with the laptops and, and, and Chromebooks mm-hmm. that we're giving our, our students and staff. 
So that those terms are actually sold, and we've done that for years, uh, sold those at a smaller term, a three- to five-year term, so that, that payback is not being spread out. Um, but there's other infrastructure needs. Uh, there's safety and security needs. In the last bond, we did a great job. We, we actually have implemented a lot of things before the legislator started telling us to implement things. So um, the cameras, the access control, uh, this year, just applaud our listeners for being patient with the doorbell systems that went in this year. We actually didn't get a lot of pushback. People understand they want their kids to be safe. They understand it may mean they have to wait an extra second and explain who they are before we let them in a building. Mm-hmm. But that's all done in the essence of making sure that our staff and students are as safe as possible. Um, so the, the safety and security piece is big. Just, again, cameras wear out. You know, electronic devices wear out. Yeah. Um, I, I, I certainly don't have the same phone I've had when I was, you know, uh, back in 2000. I, I have a, a much different phone today because um, things just wear out. They break. So replacing cameras, replacing PA systems, uh, a lot of that stuff is just keeping up to date, um, increasing our ability to communicate with cell phone boosters and radio upgrades and radio repeaters. Um Again, I think that's something that a lot of people experience in regular day life. You may enter a building, uh, whatever it is, a, a Walmart, a, a shopping center, and your cell phone coverage is in and out and spotty. And so we've gone back and tried to make that a standard that we put these booster systems throughout our buildings so that everybody can still communicate with a cell phone, especially mm-hmm. in time of an emergency. Um, and then, you know, the other piece there that I think is important is the student programs. Uh, we did a lot in the last bond to advance student programs, especially fine arts. We have fine arts additions going on to our older middle schools um, to keep them up to par with the programs that are being offered. Um, and so there's there's those type of things, uh, special education needs. Um, that's that's the interesting thing as we grow, um, you know, our, our population for uh, special ed is, is, is growing. And so making sure we have the spaces that we need to help those kids out uh, no different than we would have classroom space for for other kids. That even extends to the to the playground and making sure we have more accessible play components and and a better uh, fall surface and a maneuverable surface. Um, so we're looking to upgrade all the surfaces, get mm-hmm. rid of the wood chips uh, that I think a lot of parents find in their washing machines and yeah. stuff when the kids come <laughs> home. Um, and then the the other thing that's I just want to last thing I want to point out is uh, the importance that the district has, and, and it's also also a state mandated but moving to a full day Mm pre-K. And so being able to put those, uh, that means some additions to every one of our elementary schools. um, That's not, that's not, um, you know, getting a new model of elementary, but the the older campuses all getting a a pre-K full day addition uh, to be able to handle that segment as well. Yeah. And we remind everybody it's, it's not, you know, these additions, they're not temporary. They're not no. temporary buildings. These are, act, we're actually building onto the yeah, actual campus. The so. intent there is we've always done when we make an addition, we, we really want it to look like it was part of the original building. We don't yeah. want you to, to drive up and, and can see some difference. We try to make sure that blends that sometimes bricks, you can't find the exact yeah. brick match and <laughs> stuff like that, but uh, no permanent additions on for those, for those kids to be able to offer that full K pre day. Uh, full day pre-K. I said that backwards. Yeah. Um, that that uh, I know many of our parents are wanting, and and that we're interested in making sure we're doing that for yeah, our students. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things that um, you know, we we also and and you might want to point out too, if I know because this bond is different, and because um, there there have been some changes, you know, from the state mm-hmm. on how the bond is supposed to be structured and and how 
um, that ballot may look to uh, a voter that's going into that's it. That's correct. Um, talk to me. I'm, I'm, I'm a voter. I'm going in. I'm going to vote. What might be something that um, I may not be familiar with when I look at this ballot, that, that's that's correct. So the there are two, there are two major laws that have changed um, that that voters will see a difference when they go to the polls. Uh, one is the number of propositions. We are now uh, it's dictated upon us by law. And and quick plug for the website: go to go to uh, www.nisdtxbond.org. Um, we have all this information there. Uh, but the laws that change require are now specific on what can go in a certain proposition. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, because the laws are, are stated that way, we have four different propositions. Now, one is the majority of everything. There's kind of a catch-all uh, category. Uh, the other three propositions, uh, I'll kind of start with maybe the easiest one. One is technology devices. So non-infrastructure, these are the actual um, Chromebooks, uh, the the laptops and stuff that our mm-hmm. staff and our students get that has to be isolated. The law says that that any device has to be isolated. Um, stadiums. Uh, there's a law that says if you're doing any sort of renovation, touching uh, in any way, shape, or form a stadium that seats over a thousand student or a thousand spectators, then that has to be on a separate prop. So we have two in, in this way. We Northwest. Stadium, the big stadium where we play football games mm-hmm. every, every, you know, Friday nights um, and Thursday nights and sometimes Saturdays. And Saturdays yeah. um, so that one, uh, again, is just some minor work. We want to upgrade the LED light system there so that we can help with our energy costs and offset some of that maintenance and operation funds. Uh, it's time for a new roof for that. Those roofs typically last about 15 to 20 years, mm-hmm. and we're going to hit the 20-year mark here in the next four to five years. Uh, so replacing that roof to keep keep those buildings protected, and then new flooring in the um, in the athletic uh, field house area where the, the locker rooms are, where the coaching staffs are, um, as well as the press box area. Just make sure we replace that flooring uh, as that life cycle comes mm-hmm. up. In addition, um, the stadium that used to be the old uh, high school stadium is called Texan Stadium, right right next door to it. Um, that is really mostly used for our track and field. It's a track and field complex, mm-hmm. and it is in dire need of help with the bleachers, um, help with some of the fencing, some of the restrooms, uh, the concession area, how people enter and exit that area. Right now they kind of enter through a side gate under the bleachers, and they don't really come through a designated ticket booth area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really would like to uh, do the upkeep there. We've been able to do over the over the past years, we've been able to upkeep the, the field and the scoreboard so the – the playing surface the students are on is is in great shape. Yeah. Um, this is really just to kind of upgrade the the bleachers that have been in place for you know twenty five thirty sure. years. A better and, experience and, for the spectators yeah. that are yeah. coming out. Um, so that's the the proposition C. Proposition B uh, is a is a really peculiar one because the way the state outlined it, it stated that uh, if it's uh, it's all other recreational facilities that are not a gym and are not a playground. Mm-hmm. And so that includes tennis courts, that includes practice fields, that includes baseball and softball fields, that includes uh, track facilities, football fields, mm-hmm. so, you know, all that. Uh, for some reason, the state said, hey, we want that stuff has to be separated. So um, a perfect example, like middle school seven, we, we have to build, you know, we're proposing to build middle school seven to help with the growth. Mm-hmm. Um, most of middle school seven is in prop A. 
However, the support amenities, so the track and the football field and the tennis courts, are in Prop B. And so you, you, there are real scenarios where if one passes and the other one doesn't, you could only build one or the other. We're, the, the law does not allow us to move money between these propositions. So you could have a scenario where uh, the middle school passes, but the, the other proposition doesn't, and therefore you can't build um, you know, the, the football fields or the tennis courts or the track or whatever that needs to support those sports. Um, so that's the, that's a big one that people are going to show up and say, man, I've got, there's a lot of different things here. Uh, that's, that's dictated to us by the state. The other one, uh, that's the big, big thing that you're going to notice is you will see, uh, language, um, on, on the ballots now that actually states that, uh, this will be a, a tax increase. Uh, the actual verbiage is, it says this is a property tax increase. And that is also a new state law. Um, I, we have told you on this podcast, you're going to see our information on our websites. We are not increasing the bond rate, um, the taxable rate. So that stays at, at 45 cents, no penny added uh, to that. The, the state is really wanting to make, try to make voters more aware that you're basically increasing your debt. Um, and so the, if this does get approved, then yes, the district is taking on debt. What the district is telling you is, we've grown enough in our tax base that we can absorb taking on that debt. Um, but you will see that language on there. Um, that's, that's regardless of where you are. That's regardless of any election. That's a new law that everything has to say that statement on there. So those are the two big ones you'll see when you go, when you go to the polls. When you actually go to the polls. And I know you've covered a lot of information, but again, we do want to remind our listeners, um, you know, for more in-depth information, they can go to the bond website at nisdtxbond.org. Um, and they're more than welcome to find all types of information that uh, uh, will give them even more in-depth, I guess, details about specifics about the bond. Absolutely. When you're there, there's uh, headings on what's proposed, on growth, on background. There's a heading for tax info. Mm -hmm. So if you're really trying to understand the difference between an, an INS tax rate and the M&O tax rate, um, that's that's usually uh, something that most people don't know or understand that, that the district operates in two buckets of money. There's information there. There's the ballots. tells you what's on each ballot. There's voting information. The voting information, if you're not registered to vote, highly encourage you to register to vote. Highly encourage you to use your amendment, you, you know, your First Amendment rights to, to, yeah. to have your voice in this. And, I, and that's either way. I'm not telling you how to vote. Just say you should vote. Uh, so there's voting information tab there that actually links you to where you can register to vote if you're not registered. It will, as we learn where the um, voting locations are going to be for early voting and day of, those will be posted. Those should be soon. Uh, the counties are still working with us on those locations. Mm -hmm. uh, there's stuff on the meetings that we've had, so you can go back and watch Dr. Warren's Facebook Live sessions. He's got a few of those scheduled. Um, and then there's an area for questions, too. If, if you see some, there's a, there's a frequently asked questions, but then on that same page there's also uh, a place to submit a question. And so um, this is not meant to be a static website. We will continue to update it as we get feedback from uh, the different meetings. You may see new graphs come on different pages, and you certainly will see more questions being added as we get those questions in from our community to make sure we're trying to be uh, as transparent as possible as well as uh, as thorough as possible in our answers. I mean, absolutely. We're here to educate yep, uh, that's as right. much as possible. But a reminder, uh, deadline to register to vote is April 2nd. Uh, early voting actually begins uh, April 20th. 
20th right. through the 28th. So um, additional information. Uh, we remind our listeners, if uh, you do have questions, you can always reach out to our communications department or uh, send an email to Tim McClure um, directly here in the district. And we're more than happy to provide the information, additional information about the bond. Um, uh, Tim, I would like to thank you for joining us. Absolutely. And, uh, thank you for having me. Hopefully uh, we'll have uh, more information. We may may revisit this uh, in a, another episode down the line. So we'll see Absolutely. How happy go. to. All right. Thanks All right. a lot. Thanks, Jay. Thank you for listening to Inside Northwest. You can follow Northwest ISD on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or you can visit our webpage at nisdtx.org. Thanks for listening. And tell a friend. Inside Northwest.